0: This morning, we are in our second week of our study in the book of Psalms, which will be our summer study uh, for this next handful of months. Uh, So, you've got the words printed for you there in your worship folder. Uh, We're going to be looking primarily at verses three through six, which is sort of the latter half of this psalm. But let me go ahead and pray for us as we approach this time. Lord Jesus, I thank you for some time to gather around uh, your inerrant word. We thank you for the way that you are shown to us. You are truly the blessed one, and you have made it so that we can be counted among the blessed as well. And we pray that we will rightly study and apply what's before us this morning. We pray it in your name, through the Spirit. Amen. All right, as we jump into Psalm 1, let's go ahead, if you want to pick up your worship folder, I will read for us our text for this morning. And we're going to read the whole psalm. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So last week, if you were with us, you remember we looked at the first couple verses of this psalm, uh, and we focused on, you know, what it means to be a blessed one. It means to have a growing love for the Lord and a love for his leadership, which means you follow him. We follow him as our loving Lord, our loving leader. And This week, what I want us to do is to transition and say, all right, if we are counted among the blessed because we have a love for the Lord that he's given us and grown in us, and so we have a growing love for his leadership and following where he leads, what's the experience going to be like as those who are blessed, who are following the Lord? Because in this psalm, in verse 3, at the very end, it tells us, in all that he does, in all that the blessed man or woman does, they're going to prosper. And there's a part of us, I think, that somewhat cynically is like, Really? In all that we do, we're going to prosper. Because we've, we've probably heard on some, on some level, this has been leveraged by proponents of the prosperity gospel to say, if, if you do right, if you have enough faith, if you're following the way you should follow, then God's going to heap these financial blessings on you. And there's something that just that doesn't ring true of that because, A, it's not true, uh, but then it causes us to wonder, like well, what, what do you mean then, God, if you're telling us an all- that we do, we're going to prosper. Uh, I just did a cursory search this week on Twitter for hashtag blessed, just wondering, what are people talking about this week when they talk about being blessed? So if you did like a pound sign blessed, that's what hashtag blessed is, and essentially it pulls up all of these different comments from folks on Twitter who have kind of tagged their thoughts with the idea of being blessed, and this is just a few. Uh, One was a picture of a sonogram, and it said, expecting twins in December, hashtag blessed. One said, got into my top law school of choice, hashtag blessed. Another one said, brand new car, hashtag blessed. Beaches reopened, hashtag blessed. And then my favorite from this week was, the apartment is clean, the groceries are done, the roast is cooking, now snuggles and movies with my boys, which was a picture of two cats, hashtag blessed. So the question becomes, like, what do we mean living a blessed life. What is the experience of being blessed? Is it new cars? Is it law school? Is it snuggles with your cats? Like, what is it that means that I'm living a blessed life, that I'm having an experience of blessing? And the psalmist helps us sort of dig into this. And so that's what I wanted to spend our time looking at this morning, because it's not just kind of religious, faith-based jargon to say, hey, you're going to have a blessed experience. It's actually a promise for us as we lean into and as we... engage more and more in loving the Lord and loving his leadership, it brings about an experience for us. And that experience is best understood as as the blessed experience. And so where we're going this morning is we're going to be talking about the blessed experience and the fact that primarily what I want us to see is if you are experiencing blessing, it means that you are flourishing. The blessed experience is to flourish. And it's also, as we see here, to have an enduring hope. We're primarily going to talk about flourishing, but there's also this experience of hope. The experience of flourishing and the experience of hope, those are tied up in our experience of being blessed. So, first, let's talk about flourishing. Uh, and, I, and I want us to frame this up with a sort of a gospel perspective. I want you to remember what Jesus told us in John chapter 10, which was read for us a couple weeks ago in our liturgy. He told his followers, including us, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they, that we, may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so Jesus intends for us to understand what he accomplished for us is that entrance into a blessed life that starts now and and never ends, a blessed experience. And so what we're going to see the psalmist unpacking for us here is the way for us to understand the framework of our blessed experience as those who have received God's affection. And he uses this imagery of a tree. So we're going to spend most of our time this morning just unpacking the imagery of the tree that the psalmist used. He shows us that we're a planted tree that's planted by streams of water, and and also we're going to bear fruit. We're going to yield fruit in its season. But on top of that, we're going to be a tree that does not wither, and in all that we do, we'll prosper. So we want to look at this imagery, because this is the imagery that the psalmist used, he uses to unpack our experience. So first, let's talk about being a planted tree. So what does it mean that you're a planted tree? A, the psalmist could have said, you're like a tree. But he actually says intentionally, you're like a planted tree. What's the difference between a tree that just happens to be and a planted tree? My boys uh, have found a lot of unplanted trees in our yard because we have pine trees, probably like you do, that drop their seeds. And every now and then, because I'm not great at keeping up my yard, those trees take root and we start having an unplanted tree that has to be uprooted. What's different between that and when Hillary and I have been talking about planting a magnolia tree, which we actually want in our yard in a specific place, a planted tree is there by intentionality. A planted tree exists where it is because someone put it there on purpose. So what does it mean for you and me to understand that the blessed experience is the experience of knowing that you were planted? It means that you are exactly where God wants you and where he intends for you to flourish and where he will equip you to flourish. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Now, your experience where you are exactly supposed to be may not feel like flourishing, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but we should never assume that God would plant us someplace that we can't flourish. He has put us where we are with every intention that we would flourish. And so, as such, that means right here, right now, God's planted you here, which means in this city... It means in, in this year, this election year, it means as a part of this church family, it means with the children that God has given you and the parents that he's given you and the friendships that he's given you and the job that he's given you, all of these are contexts in which God has placed you. And it's a context in which you can flourish. And there's a confidence that comes for us. The, part of the blessed experience is the confidence of knowing that where God has me is where I, I can flourish. And that's why the experience of blessing, the experience of that flourishing is tied inseparably to us meditating on the law, day and night, seeing how God would call us and grow us to flourish. So that's the first idea, that we are a planted tree, which means right now, if something is keeping me from flourishing, it's not because I'm not in the right place at the right time. Where I am right now is not the issue. How I'm engaging in the moment may very well be the issue. And and odds are, if you feel like you're not flourishing in one of a host of areas of life, odds are it's because there's a sin issue that's going on there. A discontent, an anger, a frustration, an apathy could be any number of things. Sin calls us to be discontent and assume that what prevents us from flourishing is where God has placed us. But the psalmist is helping us understand, no, that's not, that's not the issue. Where you are is not the issue. How you are or are not loving the Lord and His leadership in this moment may very well be the issue. Now, we're a planted tree, which means we are where God has put us, which means we can have confidence, and we're a planted tree by streams of water. So what's the what's that imagery meant to be? It's meant to communicate to us, all right, God has planted me here and He's planted me in a place that He has provided for my flourishing. He's put me beside streams of water. Why? Because the roots of my tree are going to soak up that water. I'm going to be nourished. I'm going to flourish because God's put me in a context with whatever resources I need so that I can flourish, so that I can yield fruit, as we'll talk about in just a minute. But that means everything that you and I need, we have right now. And, And I want us to take a step further and say, all right, well, what is the water? What is the streams of water that God has provided so that no matter the context, I can flourish? And the psalmist gives us that as well. It's the Word and the Spirit. The streams of water are what nourishes us, and what nourishes us is what we delight in. The law of the Lord and his leadership, the leading of the Spirit through the Word, that's what causes us to flourish. Which means what God shares with us, how he shapes us, how he grows us, how he nourishes us in the word and through the spirit is what equips you and I to be able to flourish no matter the context. Which is why in our driest spells, when we feel the most listless, when we feel the most that that our context is preventing us from flourishing, that, that we need something outside of us to change if we are going to grow, it's more than likely because we're actually not drawing from the nourishment that God has provided for us. This is not a a message that I want you to take away and be like, hey, if you read your Bible, you will prosper. That is not not the takeaway. But what is the means by which God has been growing and nourishing his people for all generations? It's through their meditation on what he's revealed and their leaning into his leadership through the spirit. That's the means by which he grows us. So this is not meant to communicate, hey, I can leverage God by doing the FPO Bible reading plan does not work like that but being in God's word being nurtured by the spirit it will cause us to flourish because it's how God grows us and how he shapes us and so for you and for me as we think about what that what that means for us that means that that there's good news for you and me that the fact that that God has given us the word and the spirit it means that he actually wants a living relationship with us you and I live in this moment right here and right now with a living relationship with him where he's spoken to us and where he's ministering to us and where he's caring for us and where he's calling us to lean into him and to rest and to speak back to him. It's a, it's a real relationship. And that relationship is, is a context or it shapes our understanding of our context. And we see that we're actually much more like Adam and Eve than maybe we realized in a good way because of the spirit. We get to walk with our father in the garden. We get to have a relationship that buoys us and encourages us and shapes us in loving ways. And I would encourage you if there are areas in your life where you feel like you're struggling to flourish and you wonder why, what what should I do? Uh, Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship with your kids. Um, Maybe it's in your relationship with your adult children or maybe it's in relationship with your aging parents or maybe it's uh, you know, a friendship that you have or maybe it's your wrestling with singleness or maybe you're looking around at, at your neighbors and your lack of flourishing in your relationship with your neighbors and you wonder, like, what, what should I do? Like, what, how can I foster flourishing? How can I see myself more engaged in all these different areas of my life? And God draws us into those things through his leadership, through his leadership, through the word and the spirit. And so I would encourage you, have you ask God to show you what you need to do. Have you asked him to, to nudge you and to push you uncomfortably towards what he wants you to be engaged in? If you, want to, if you want to engage your neighbors, it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know if you're like me, but I've lived in my neighborhood now for five years. And I know very few of my neighbors in my neighborhood for five years. Usually I pull into my neighborhood and I have all, when I leave my neighborhood in the morning, I'm like, man, I got to love this place. And then I come back around 530. And I'm like, man, I got to get inside that house. Like something changes between 7 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. And so at this point for me, I think, how awkward would it be for me to go out and engage in conversation with the lesbian couple with their two children that live diagonally across the street from me since I've let five years go without anything more than cursory conversation and a wave? Or for my black neighbors who live three doors down or my barely English-speaking Korean neighbors who live two doors down. I've let time go by. The Spirit's going to have to actually do an uncomfortable work in me for me to actually flourish in my neighborhood. And maybe you're in that same place. And so sometimes we just don't want to flourish in those places because it would be uncomfortable. And yet we have to ask that the Word and the Spirit would, make, would cause us and push us to do what's uncomfortable, but was actually going to shape us and cause us to flourish. Now, that's streams of water. So God's planted us where we are. He's given us what we need so that we can be nourished and so that we can flourish. And then he also says that we're going to yield fruit in its season. So the blessed experience is knowing that God has you where he wants you. He's provided everything you need to flourish in this moment. And he has every expectation of you and me that we are going to bear fruit, that we are going to yield fruit. God intends for his kids to be fruitful. And a question might be, well, how can I know that I'm flourishing in that biblical sense? How can I know that I'm actually actually living a blessed life? And if we think about it, our culture has told us a lot about prosperity and about flourishing. And our culture, and our culture is not unique in this. It's this been pretty much every culture from the one that Adam and Eve created after the fall, says that if you're prospering, it means that you're getting, you're receiving. That prosperity has to do with what you get. But the biblical understanding of flourishing, the biblical understanding of prosperity has much less to do with what you get and has so much more to do with what you give. Flourishing is about producing, about production of fruit. And I don't want to over-leverage the psalmist's image here, but I don't think this is over-leveraging it. What nourishes the tree is the streams of water. What the tree produces is of no use to the tree. The tree does not grow because of the fruit that it produces. The tree does not need the fruit that it produces. What it produces is meant to be a blessing beyond the tree. We have a lemon tree that has four lemons on it that look more like limes because they haven't fully matured yet. Those lemons are doing nothing but draining the tree. Hillary loves this lemon tree, and I hope that it does produce an actual lemon for her. I really do. And I think it will. Not this year, but at some point, I think it will. But you watch this tree struggle as it produces these lemons, All the leaves have fallen off the tree, there's this four giant lemons on one small tree. When those lemons do mature, Hillary and the boys and I are going to enjoy those lemons and the tree will get no benefit from it whatsoever. And yet the tree produced. Do you understand the imagery here for us that the psalmist is sharing with us? To be prosperous, to be flourishing means that you are actually giving away. You are actually what you produce, what you are, what's manifested in your life, is not about you. It's about being a blessing to others. You've probably heard that that phrase that's been coined not by me, because you've heard it long before probably I, I was born, but we're called we're blessed to be a blessing. Have you heard that phrase before? Blessed to be a blessing. That's this is where it comes from, this idea. That God calls us to see, hey, the reason that I've called you to flourish, the reason that I'm encouraging you and growing you so that you flourish is because I intend for the whole world to be better for your presence in it. That's what makes us a blessed community, is that we're a handful of people that God has brought together so that we are actually producing. You look at the fruits of the Spirit and beyond that, it's not an exclusive list. But what is being manifested in our life is actually an experience of joy and blessing for other people. So this idea of being blessed to be a blessing, and I know you guys have probably been watching the news some recently, and my heart's been really heavy this week. Like my heart's been broken for our brothers and sisters in Birmingham at Church of the Highlands. Church of the Highlands is a sister church of ours, and their heart for Birmingham has brought so much blessing to that city. There have been so many lives that have been positively impacted by followers of Jesus who are blessed to be a blessing in the city of Birmingham that it breaks my heart that there have been relationships that have been severed and that there are going to be lives that I'm not saying Jesus can't still reach those people because he can, but there are willing hearts in our sister church that want to be in those spaces. And so it's been my prayer this week that, that God will reconcile a lot of those Those broken, severed relationships, so that the folks of Church of the Highlands can still continue to love the city of Birmingham well, because they were blessed to be a blessing just like us. And so, when we see that, when we see the tangible ways that the world is actually better because of the presence of Jesus' followers in it, it helps us understand what true flourishing looks like. Like our neighborhoods and our families and our extended families and our church family and our community. It should all be better for having had us in it because we are fruit-producing trees that bring blessing into the experience of other people. So if you look around your life and you don't see a lot of people experiencing the blessing of having been connected to you, that's probably a good nudge from the Spirit. Like, hey, something's off here. Something's not right in, the, in, this, in this reality. And so in one sense, you can see the psalmist calling us to, to see and to respond and say, hey, I, I know I'm meant to be a tree a planted tree by streams of water. And the issue of whether or not I'm producing has to do with whether or not I'm actually letting the one who loves me lead me. Because he'll lead me to flourish. And that flourishing will be experienced by other people. And we want to see that. I'm almost out of time, and that's just the first point. So, second point is going to be heavily abbreviated. So if you feel like there's more to this, there is. And if you'd like to talk offline about it, I would love to. But I'm just going to throw... A couple of things into the room, and we'll see if any of them stick, okay? And that's how we're going to approach this, this idea of hope. We are called to flourish, and we are equipped to flourish. We are a tree that's going to flourish, but we're also a tree that we know will not wither. Will not wither. That idea of withering is how will a tree respond in moments of drought? Withering is all about heat and a hostile environment. That's what a drought is. It's heat in a hostile environment where there isn't enough nourishment. And we're being told here that no matter the amount of heat that our tree has to absorb, we will never deplete the streams that keep our leaves green. Do you understand the imagery of that? We are a drought-proof people. But I want us to also understand that that, there is, that means that the context in which a leaf could wither is still present. The psalmist doesn't say, and you will never experience the heat of drought. He says, no, you will never have your leaf wither. You won't die. Your tree will not die. And just a a couple comments on this. I want us to acknowledge that you and I know what drought feels like. And to follow Jesus and to talk about flourishing is not to deny droughts. There are times when we wonder, how is my leaf not going to wither? It could be your, your physical health, or the physical health of a loved one, or the death of a loved one. How am I not going to wither in the face of this? It could be a financial drought. It could be that your small business is struggling, and you're looking at the next few a few months, and you're wondering, how are we going to survive in this financial drought? How am I going to provide for my employees and for my family? How am I not going to wither? We don't know necessarily how God is going to sustain us through the drought, but the, the point here is that he will. You, whether, whether or not we understand how he's going to go about it, he says that we will be nourished. Now, is that a guarantee that all small businesses are going to bounce back, that people are going to be cured? No. Not withering is not about context. It's about knowing That you are loved and that you are cared for and that you are never outside of the care of the one who loves you, no matter the context. And I don't want to go too deep into everything that's going on in our nation right now. There's a lot of voices that are speaking to you. I hope that you're listening to ones that want you to follow Jesus. But one thing that I thought about this week that was helpful for me is I had a couple conversations uh, with some some black pastors here in the area. I had two different meetings, one in Auburn, one here in Opelika. And as I was studying this this week, I realized that it was helpful for me to, to hear them and to hear in their, their grief and in their pain, they feel the heat of drought right now. They don't know how God is going to help them not wither. Not that they don't believe that he will, but it feels like heat and a hostile environment. And so they feel drought. And that helped me this week to realize I can see I can see why there is a sense, why there's a feeling of hostile environment, of heat and hurt. And it was such an encouragement for me to have them speak and to hear their lament and their grief as well as their hope. And it was challenging for me in the midst of a drought that they feel and that they're trying to lead their church families through. It's a heavy moment but it's one in which they have not lost hope. And I think about the hope that we're called to pursue. And I think about the fact that God has given our community so many church families, so many followers of Jesus, so many opportunities for there to be blessed to be a blessing. And in this moment, I want us just to wrestle with, God, what are you calling us to do? How are you calling us as followers of Jesus in this moment, in this community, to be a blessing so that our brothers and sisters who are feeling the drought feeling the heat, will also know, A, that they're not alone, and B, that the hope that they cling to is the hope that we cling to. And if you saw in the last little bit of this, this uh, psalm, I don't have time to unpack it fully, but there's a hope for us not only in this moment that we won't wither, but there's also a hope that wickedness will lose. Evil will lose. Oppression will lose. Injustice will be made right. God promises that the wicked will will perish. God promises that they will be driven away like chaff. God will bring about justice. That's not a call for you and I to wait until Jesus comes back to pursue justice, but it is a hope for us that the guaranteed end of history has justice. So we have hope and we're called to flourish. If you see, if you feel hope and you see evidence of flourishing, I want to encourage you this morning, you are living a blessed life experience. Father, thanks so much for this time to spend together. I pray that you will help us as men and women, as brothers and sisters, as those that you have loved and blessed and made a part of your family. I pray that you will help us to rest in that. Lord, we thank you for the promises that you've made. We thank you for the way that even this morning you are beckoning to us, you are calling us into your word, into, into relationship with you, and into dialogue with you through the Spirit so that we can grow, so that we can see more flourishing in our life. And you've also given us the word of hope. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that for our sins, for our injustice, for the oppression we've been a part of, for the wickedness that we've done, you have paid the price for that. So that we are counted among the righteous, so that we can stand before the judgment. We pray that you will help make us agents of that hope and of that restoration and reconciliation for so many more. We pray this in your name. Amen.